Today, I'm going to be sharing the nitty gritty, the behind the scenes, the real life behind giving a TED Talk. And so if a TED Talk is in your future, or you want to get on more stages, or you want to be gaining more visibility as a speaker, then this is an episode that you don't want to miss. Welcome to The Road to Seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an investor, a wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to Seven is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs. We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along the road to your vision. And I am honored you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. Welcome to The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins. My name is Sheila Cummins. And today, I'm going to be sharing all the background and the behind the scenes of what it was like to give my very first TED Talk. I am recording this pretty much a week after having given the talk, and I got to tell you, I'm still in the TED hangover. (laughs) What is the TED hangover? It is a very common reaction to doing something as demanding and as vulnerable and as difficult as giving a 12 to 18 minute talk scripted to an audience with the demands that's attached to having it be a TED Talk. That hangover is real, my friends, and you can call it a vulnerability hangover. I think it's a mix for me. I think it's, you know, I drank a little bit too much vulnerability. I drank a little bit too much discomfort. I drank a little bit too much questioning myself and wishing that I had done better. And after some extensive coaching this week, I think I can say I'm really proud of myself. So I actually don't think I drank too much. I think I just had a good solid dose of vulnerability and challenge and discomfort. And I'm just recovering this week. Today, I'm going to be spending the day out in my garden. I'm going to, well, I don't know why they call it gardening, quite frankly. I think it should be called weeding. So I'm going to be spending time in my garden weeding and being quiet and just playing some music in my ears, maybe listening to a podcast or two, maybe just enjoying the birds singing and the warmth from the sun. I'm going to mulch my gardens just so that I can recuperate a little bit so I can hit next week running. You know, that feeling of vulnerability is huge. I can honestly tell you, I haven't seen the video footage yet. Nobody in the audience was allowed to record. I haven't seen the pictures yet, like the real professional pictures. I have no idea if I gave a good talk or not. I literally don't know because it was such a blur. I can't remember. I think I was up there for about 12 minutes, but I literally cannot remember parts of it. But I can remember the emotions that I felt during it. And I want to talk about that because I think it's important that we acknowledge it's not just about giving the talk. It's about everything that happens behind the scenes. So a little bit of history. I've had on my vision board for about seven years that I wanted to give a TED Talk. Why is that? Because I knew that it, I know, I knew then and I know now that it is a platform that has the opportunity to not just create credibility for what it is that I'm doing, 
but really puts a stake in the ground for me to be able to talk about what I stand for. My talk was called The Hidden Microcosm of Women Entrepreneurs, and in it, I challenged the perspectives of the audience to really see the impact that women entrepreneurs are having both on society and on the economy. And I made a very clear distinction. I wasn't just talking about yeah, the women that are selling things on the side to make a couple extra bucks. That is a very noble and viable business option. That wasn't the group that I was discussing on this moment. On the stage, I also wasn't talking about the women that are building the next Googles and Amazon, highly scalable, quick to grow, looking for venture capital and angel investors to become equity partners in the growth of their company. I'm not talking about the two ends of that spectrum. What I'm talking to and what I focus on and where my business focuses on is right in the middle. The companies that are big enough to be self-sustaining, women are earning some great money. They're able to pay themselves a salary, maybe not quite the salary they want, but they're able to be contributing to their family financially. Also knowing that women tend to build social enterprises, companies that are focused on outcomes related to culture, community, society, and the, and the environment. They are literally building companies that are having a positive impact in our world. And I told the story of when I went twice to go and get access to capital, once so I could launch my company. And while I'm a little bit more forgiving about not being granted a loan or a line of credit at that point, when I didn't have, you know, any proof of being able to launch the company, what I did is launched it on my personal credit card. And that, <laughs> that is not a long-term viable funding option when it comes to growing your business, but it's one where 95% of women entrepreneurs are leaning on because it's the only access to capital that they are able to acquire. And that is the point that I feel is unacceptable. And so I told the story of being turned down and putting it on my personal credit and making enough money to make some payments on the credit card, but not enough to bring the balance down. And you and I both know that money acts like a snowball. If you've got investments, <laughs> despite when the market goes a bit berserk, your money is going to snowball into growth. And when you are in debt, if you are not pay- making you know, good, sound, solid payments to, to reduce that debt, it's going to snowball into more debt. So your money's going to snowball one of two ways. Of course, for me, it snowballed into more debt because I was making enough to cover childcare and some basic operations, but I wasn't making enough to be able to pay down this card and it just snowballed in and, you know, I ended up not paying the taxes because I didn't have enough cash in that moment. And, you know, that then snowballed. So I really got myself into a big pickle, which I've pulled myself out of I don't need your pity. It just was. It just is. Don't feel sorry for me. They were key decisions that I made. And if you listen to the other podcast about, you know, the, the key decisions that we make are going to impact the results. That's exactly what happened. But where I think I really hit the audience is when I went back for a loan about eight years later. You know, I showed eight years of profit. 30% growth year over year, multiple six figures in revenue, and I was still turned down for a business loan or a business line of credit or a business credit card. At that time, I was working as a sole proprietor, and I just was working under my name as Sheila Cummins, and so I just had personal accounts on all of those things. And they said, I'm really sorry, but we can't give you a business loan or line of credit. And I said, how come? They said, well, because you don't have any credit rating, a business credit rating. I said, well, how would I get a business credit rating? 
And the poor guy, honestly, I swear he just started shaving. Like, he was so young and <laughs> he probably regrets going to work that day because he had to deal with me. And I was very nice to him. I, you know, I truly believe you never shoot the messenger. But I said, well, how would I build business credit? He goes, well, and then he sort of paused. You'd have to, well, I guess you'd have to have a business loan or a business line of credit or a business credit card. And I, you know, I remember just looking at him being like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And so in this talk, you know, I I went through, you know, the emotions. He said, well, we can give you a personal loan. And I was like, yeah, well, that's great. What do I need for a personal loan? He says, I can give you, well, I'm just going to need a personal guarantee, which means I'd have to put up a house or a car or, you know, my investments or my RSP. And at that time, you know, I guess 10 years ago now, I didn't have any of those to put up. And I said, well, I can give you a personal guarantee. You can see what I've single-handedly done in my business. This business feeds the portion of, of finances that I contribute to my family. I have, you have my personal guarantee that come hell or high water, I'm going to make this work. And that just wasn't good enough. And so, you know, this is a reality for so many women entrepreneurs going to access capital. And quite frankly, it's enough. And so my talk was all about this group. It's the group that I serve through my programs. It's the group that we are going to be offering micro lending to when we secure enough initial funding from, from investors to be able to get this off the ground. And I just, I knew that the TED was the platform for me to share this message. I've been sharing it through Instagram and through, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn, but TED's going to give it a credibility. And I decided to really go for the TED stage because I knew that the footage and the pictures would give me credibility in this area of lending where I don't necessarily have a background, but I have the desire, the grit, the resourcefulness, and the vision of what I know this micro lending program is going to do. So that's why I chose the TED stage. I probably applied to over 20, 25 different individual independently run TEDx events, which is how it works. And I got turned down by all of them except this one at TEDx White Ave. They took a chance on me. And, you know, much like I see when we invest in women, when they see that they've been seen and heard, they work extra hard to make sure that they're going to do right. They're going to show people that they were worth the investment. I truly believe it's one of the reasons women have such a low default rate on loans and why they're able to repay faster than many of their male counterparts, because they're just so honored and empowered at the fact that someone saw them and is taking a chance in them and is willing to invest in them. And that's exactly how I felt about being on the, the TEDx stage is, wow, someone's seen me. They're willing to invest in me. There's a couple of things that I wasn't expecting about the experience. One is how tight the talk has to be. You know, you go through a whole bunch of approval processes. You get your thesis for the, the TED Talk approved. Then you give a first draft, a second draft, a third draft. You give a video evidence, a video performance. Some TEDx stages will actually work with you through the process. The event I was at, I worked at it with my coach, Chris Graham from tellpeople.ca. Terrific guy. You know, terrific part of the process. I really, I don't think I could have done it without him and without the support of my husband, Chris Cummins who's also a professional speaker. He's been on seven TEDx stages, so he knew everything that I was feeling. And, you know, I'm someone who speaks off the cuff. This podcast recording, I do not have a written note in front of me. I'm just speaking from the heart and speaking from my soul and just sharing what comes to mind. If you put a script in front of me, 
I feel so confined. I feel restrained. I feel like I can't authentically be me. But I did it anyway. And so I have a really strong script. I know that I'll give the talk at another time. And, you know, I worked on the delivery of it for ages. I had no idea that I'd be able to read it. I I had no doubt that I'd be able to read it really well, because every time I shared it with Chris, he was like, yep, the delivery's spot on. But now you got to internalize it. And I found that really hard. I really did. And I found it hard on the day to not have that creative liberty to be able to speak from the soul and speak from the heart. And as much as the script was right on point, it's a really good talk. On a personal level, because it wasn't my style of speaking, I found it really challenging. And I had, I had given the talk, you know, probably a hundred times before. But you know, my friends, I think the biggest piece that's gnawing at me is I needed to have practiced it a thousand times so that it was so internally bedded into my being that I didn't need a note or a cue or a reminder. And I think what I underestimated was the pressure of the day. You know, the night, couple nights before I hardly slept, my Fitbit told me I had an average of three to, three to five and a half hours for about two weeks before the talk. You know, I, my stomach was in knots. I wasn't calm. You know, my parents were there and we went out for dinner and my mom said afterwards that like, I just, I wasn't even really present. Like I was there, but I wasn't engaged. They could tell my mind was somewhere else. And it's because I was just visioning being on this stage so intensely down to my core. But I, even at that, I still underestimated the amount of practice that I needed to have done to be able to deliver this talk without a single slide in front of me or a visual cue. Not all TED Talks allow you to do a PowerPoint. The one that I was at did, and in hindsight, I should have created a PowerPoint as that reminder to help carry me through the talk. That, I think, would have been a big game changer for me in terms of the delivery But I wanted to be authentic to the process and just stand up and speak. And so I did that. And I think, you know, there were several times through the talk where I I just froze because I didn't remember what that next piece was. And I didn't have the confidence or practice of being able to, or I hadn't given myself permission, I guess, to be able to speak off the cuff. And so on the day, you know, I was third last. I didn't watch anybody else's talk. I just stood in the back room and, you know, all that night and all that morning, I'd been practicing giving it, trying to give the talk without looking at my notes. And I kept catching myself. And I I do know that on the walk to the theater, I did feel a little bit like a lamb being led to the slaughter as I realized that I was so well prepared to give a killer keynote or to give a killer workshop where I'd have a couple cues in front of me to see the notes. But I think I was underprepared to be able to talk a scripted piece. So, you know, in hindsight, I actually did know the talk. I could probably sit here and rhyme it off today without a single note in front of me. But because I had built it up to be this thing and I had convinced myself that I wasn't prepared, I really, I think I brought that to life. And, you know, I've had some pretty extensive coaching this week and I know that I'm very hard on myself. I know that. And I am, it's not that I expect perfection, 
but I absolutely expected to be able to bring my A game. I was thrown off during the delivery because I had practiced it without having a handheld mic, but there, the wireless microphones were not working for whatever reason and they couldn't figure it out. So we had a handheld mic because I froze so much. Well, actually, I just stood up on stage and cried, but because I froze during the dress rehearsal, I had my notes on a screen down at the base of the floor in front of me so that I could refer to it. But that required me shifting and pressing the button to be able to shift my slides. And that wasn't working smoothly. So, you know, all of this practice, it just, you know, maybe I could have practiced a thousand times and I wouldn't have been able to deliver it any stronger. But, the, you know, I was thrown off. You know, the lights are so strong and it's hot standing up there on stage. And you can kind of see people in the audience, but not totally. <laughs> so you kind of know there's people there, but you can't really see them. But you also, I couldn't gauge their reaction. And one of the things that I think makes me a really strong speaker is I am able to create this energetic connection with people in the audience. I see them, they see me, I build on their reactions. You know, if they're having a, a, a laugh at something, I can build on that. If they're feeling emotional on something, I can build on that. But when you have such a tight script and just such a short amount of time, it's really hard to build that rapport. So how did the talk go? I honestly, I don't know. I haven't seen the video footage. I know that they'll probably edit out the parts where I'm stalled. And I think that when I was talking, I was able to really communicate my message and getting it out. And so for that, I'm really proud. You know, I know that I shared some incredible statistics. I shared some incredible stories. And I'm really proud that I took a stand for women, for women entrepreneurs, and for us to be seen as more than less than. I'm really proud of the amount of time and effort that I put into preparing for the talk, knowing all the other things that were going on in my life. You know that we've got a very busy house. We've got three kids. They all do a ton of activities. You know, we're managing two companies, my husband and I. It's busy. We're lucky if we get the kitchen clean by the end of the day or the breakfast dishes away. Nine times out of ten, the breakfast dishes are there at the end of the workday because we've been pushing so hard. You know, it just is. And to be, I don't have the luxury of the time and space that some of the other speakers had in order to prepare. So I did the best that I could in that moment. And that is what I'm celebrating. I did the best that I could in that moment. Was it a killer viral TED Talk? I don't know. That's going to be up to our marketing and up to you and I after the video goes out and whether my message is hitting with people or not. I can't control that. But of course, I want to, (laughs) you know, I want this to be a strong talk that I can use so that I can attract investors and funders into the micro lending so we can get money in the hands of those who need it the most. I want that to have that be the result. But all I can control is that in that moment, I did the best that I could. And so was it a good TED talk? Yes. There you go. I said it. I said it because I did the best that I could in that moment. Could I have practiced more? Hell yes. Absolutely. Can I go back and redo that? No. Am I going to do another TED Talk? I don't know. I think so. But I think if I do it, I'm going to just go and do it quietly without anyone knowing and then celebrate it afterwards so that I don't have all that pressure on me of people watching and wondering. And, you know, but I got to tell you, the outpouring of support from you, the listeners, from my community, my DMs and my emails 
were absolutely flooded with support. And as someone who is working through the story of living life overlooked and underestimated, my friends, I was not overlooked. I was seen. I had a whole community of people cheering me on. One of my groups sent flowers to my hotel room, for which I will be forever grateful. You know, it wasn't just me up on stage. It was all of you, too, so that together we can be fighting and getting more equitable access to capital so we can do more of the work that we're doing. So, yeah, I'm proud. Yeah, I'm proud that this message is out there, and I'm proud that, you know, together we're going to rewrite the rules of finance. We're going to rewrite the rules of loan applications and approvals. We're going to rewrite the access of capital to all of these women who, when we see them and hear them and empower them, is going to have such a larger impact on the world that we're bringing. And that, my friends, is the behind the scenes of giving a TED Talk, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the realization and where I am as I near the end of this journey. I know that when it comes to sharing the final video, there's going to be a whole other host of emotions, and I'll tell you all about that later. In the meantime, if you've got something to say, let's get you up on a stage and say it. Let's get you heard and seen. And heck, let's get you funded so you can do more of the work that you know you were called and born to do. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven. If you found value in what you've heard today, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review. You might just get a shout-out on an upcoming episode, and you never know when I'm going to be mailing some surprise treats to our reviewers. Make sure to subscribe so you automatically get notified when new episodes are released. Are you looking for a way to connect with other entrepreneurs that are facing the same challenges as you? I'd love to connect with you in the Road to 7 Facebook group on Instagram and LinkedIn. Just head to SheilaCummins.com. You will find all the links that you need right there. Together, we'll explore more ways to support your shift into action so that you can grow your business to finally match your vision. I love aligning your vision of success with strategic and intentional actions because that is how we will grow your business to match your vision. I focus on women, all women, because women hold the keys and the power to creating a powerful and positive world through their impact. We'll see you on the next episode.